Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Brad. Uh, welcome back. I did the Christmas versions of this with my brother. We, yeah. I missed you. Yeah, yeah. I I made some jokes about you in your at your expense. So well, it was nice being without you for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed that a lot. One of yeah. my favorite parts of Christmas. <laughs> nice. <laughs> place at the right time. I'm Brad Hicks with Dan Zesvorka. Here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I haven't seen you for about a month. Yeah, don't talk with your mug in front of your face, and I have to edit that out. Because that'll be like, (laughs) you can drink, but (laughs) yeah, it's been about a month. So uh, uh, Brad and I, we're getting ready to release this uh, onto the net or webs or whatever you call it. (laughs) Wherever people can hear it, right? Yeah, so... um, yeah, so a new year, 2023. I guess we'll date this this podcast. Yes, it wasn't made back in the 1970s. You thought it was, but it's 2023. 2023, yep. that's right. January 5th, we're well into the new year. Yep. And you got a few stories still yet remaining to tell. Uh, yeah, I've got, I'm doing a lot of my big ones to start, but I've, uh, there's one today we'll dive into. I don't know how far we'll get with it. I hope we'll get far, but uh, it's about it's about a guy named Kevin and his rites of passage or rite of passage. I'm not sure if you if it's plural or singular. Actually, rite of passage. I right. think it's singular. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to talk about that story. And it starts in San Francisco. And we used to live in San Francisco uh, during the 90s and early 2000s. And I think this was probably in the early 2000s. Were you there for the World Series earthquake? Yes. You were there. Yeah. That's what I remember about the 90s in San Francisco. I think we were there, or or it was like the year after, because I, I remember watching it on TV. But okay, yeah. actually, I think might have been the right after we moved there. Um, so what uh, we lived in San Francisco, and we were part of a community of Christians living together. And this is often called intentional Christian community, because you're intentional about sharing houses and cars and money and dinner tables and living spaces. So you're intentionally living together to try to uh, better your witness or your image of what 
Jesus looks like to the world. So you're, you're intentionally loving each other and loving those outside of your community and inviting them into for hospitality and trying to show this uh, people that this is what God's love looks like. Um, and it doesn't always work that great. It's a very course, difficult well, type that, of life, but that's, that's where we, we get a misconception of what love is because mm-hmm. love is not, <laughs> love is not, uh, Ooey, gooey, uh yeah, feely, it's, it's, it, it's messy. And, yeah. and, and really within that mess, if we respond in love, mm-hmm. That's how we grow. Yeah. Is that not right? Well, and respond's a good word because you find out that love is not a noun. It is actually, it's not a thing. It's an action. It's an action. Absolutely. And so we would act out of love for each other. And we lived in this community for seven years with our daughters in high school. And one of the things that this community did in order to love the, the teenagers in this community was to plan trips for them when they got a certain age, 16, 17, 18, uh, to plan a trip that we called a a rite of passage trip, where uh, we would tailor the planning of this trip specifically to the kid, to the young teenager, the the kid that we were going to take on this trip, so that it it would focus on their gifts, but it would also focus on maybe some of their weaknesses mm-hmm. to expose their need in the future to focus and grow in those areas. Mm-hmm. And so my two daughters went on rites, rite of passage trips. And uh, while they were in high school, they went to the local high school in our area. And they made a friend, uh, many friends, but and they would bring them home like during lunch or during, after school. And one of these friends that they made was named Kevin. His name was Kevin. And they'd bring Kevin home and he'd hang out in our living room or our kitchen and they would just eat lots of food. My wife loved to have the pantry just stocked with food because teenagers just eat like crazy, of course. And he would come and he'd hang out there and he just started hanging out a lot at our community. He would come to our worship services. He he would come and hang out with the different uh youth that were there. And so we started seeing him as kind of one of our kids. Now, Kevin was uh, a son, only child of a single mother living in San Francisco. And kind of an important part of Kevin's story is that Kevin was born with a disability. Uh, and this will play out even more later, but he was born with a disability where his one of his arms was not completely developed and it was short and he had like a hand coming out of his elbow, but uh, he was fantastically uh, overcoming that disability in every way. Very friendly, uh, very conscientious, uh, really smart. And and it just was uh, something that was Kevin and we really didn't notice it that much, but it was, uh, part of who he was and yeah. it had formed who he was. And um, so, and Kevin grew up without a father. His father was not around. And so when I, uh, the we were meeting as a community and somebody said, why don't we do, do a rites of passage trip for Kevin? 
why don't we, you know, take him on a trip and see if he wants to do that? Because he's hanging around so much and we love him so much. This would be great. And so we asked him, he said, yeah, I'd love to do that. And so uh, me and another guy from the community, Mike, started planning a trip for Kevin. And uh, I love the this part because I'm I'm a very creative person and I love to be creative in how a trip would be formed to the to to Kevin. So I started thinking about it and the issues that I saw that he would have to struggle with in the future was not having a father around. Um, and I think some of the insecurities that he would have in terms of his disability might be issues for him too. And I wanted to let his personality and his leadership shine because in spite of his uh, disability, he was very much a, a, a leader and, and, a, and, and just a great kid. Mm-hmm. So, so Mike and I thinking about this and I have had, obviously I've told stories. I have an experience in Mexico and I thought, okay, we're in San Francisco. We could do something in Mexico and that, would kind of put him out of his element, Kevin, and he'd have to do an adventure in, in, in a completely different culture. And so we started thinking about it, and I thought, well, since Kevin doesn't have a father, one of the things I would love for him to know is that anywhere he goes in the world, God has a, a, a strong, spiritual, faithful man that Kevin can connect with and a strong Christian man who Kevin could see as kind of a spiritual father. And I know God would provide that wherever Kevin is, wherever he goes. And so I, I said, we're going to take a chance and we're going to connect Kevin with somebody like that in Mexico. Well, he was, he was definitely connected with you and Mike and you were, you guys were that kind of figure to him too. Yeah. And I still, I still have connection with Kevin uh, to this day, actually, some at some point, it'd be great to interview him because this was a pretty significant story for him, too. But how old would he be now? He's like my kid's age, so probably around 40. Yeah. And he was uh, 17. Yeah, 17. about 17, maybe yeah. 18. Uh, we thought, okay, we're going to take him to Mexico, connect him with a wise, spiritual, faithful person, a man that he can see uh, that God is watching out for him. You didn't have any contact when you were going. <laughs> we had no one. So this is a very big risk, right? This is a risk for me. Like, okay, God, you gotta, you gotta show up and have this person there ready for us because uh, we're gonna just wander around otherwise. And so here's what we thought. Well, with we blind, we we had Kevin. Uh, we blindfolded Kevin one day before the trip. A couple like a month before the trip or maybe even two months. And we brought him into the garage blindfolded and we had on the wall, we had taped up a map of Mexico and he didn't know that. And we handed him a dart and he stood back about 10 feet from the map. And we said to Kevin, actually, I wasn't there. Mike said, Mike was doing all this. Mike said, Kevin, take the dart and throw it straight ahead. And we had no clue where. And so he threw the dart and it hit the map and it hit the map in the mountains of Mexico, uh, kind of above Chihuahua. There's some really nice mountains up there. And it hit really close to this town 
in the mountains of Chihuahua. Oh and gosh, so yeah. we didn't take his blindfold off. We let he, he Mike led him back out of the garage and just Kevin was curious. He's like, I'm not telling you what you just did. And he said, okay, we'll let you know when we plan the trip, we'll let you know that we're going to leave. <laughs> so Kevin had no clue what was going on. And so we, we looked at this town and we said, okay, we're going to take Kevin to this town mm-hmm. and we're going to find a wise spiritual man for him to talk to. Yes, it was. Uh, and, and so in the time before the trip, we told Kevin, okay, you need to get a journal and the first thing you need to do in your journal is write uh, six to ten absolutely important questions that you have about your future as a man. I mean, these are big questions. We say, Kevin, just put down all the big questions about whatever you are concerned about for your future as a man. And so he spent the next couple of months crafting those questions in his journal. So we, uh, me and Mike then planned the trip and we said, okay, we're going to take a plane from San Francisco down to La Paz or Cabo San Lucas on the, on the tip of Baja. And the tip of Baja is pretty far away from this town. And it's actually across the Gulf of, uh, California, uh, down there, there's a Gulf of California that you would have to cross and then get your way up a couple days worth into the mountains. And so we planned this trip and we're like, okay, this is how it's going to go with us. It's going to be about the journey as much as it's going to be about the destination. Um, So we plan the trip and we tell Kevin, uh, get your bags ready because in a couple weeks we're going to leave. And we, the whole thing is to keep this a secret from Kevin at this point. Kevin uh, still didn't know. He still didn't know where he's going. He still didn't know what he's doing. And uh, we, so the two weeks come up, we tell Kevin, okay, it's time to go. Uh, we're going to go for about a week and you're going to come with us. And uh, he had no clue. And finally, when we're getting on the plane from, you know, San Francisco to Cabo San Lucas, he figures out, okay, we're going to Mexico. Okay, so he figured it out. No, nah, just that part. So okay. we're going to Mexico. We get down there. And so then we tell him, okay, here's what this trip's about. Here's what it's going to be like. And we had planned some other things. So we said, we are, uh, we are making our way to this small town. And we didn't tell him why. We're making the, our way to this small town in the mountains of the mainland of Mexico. We are now on the Baja Peninsula. You are in charge of getting us there. You have to figure out how we're going to get there, by what transportation we're going to travel to get to this town, and you're going to get us back. And you have three rules. I think there might have been more than three, but I remember three. Three rules you have to follow along the way. Rule one is you have to um, help anyone that's in distress. Anyone that needs help, you have, we have to help that person. Rule two is anyone who asks you for anything, who asks you for anything, you have to give to them. Whatever you have, you have to give. So give to everyone who asks, help anyone who's in need. And the third rule was you have to accept all hospitality offered, whether it's just a guy on the street says, here, taste this, or whether it's going to someone's house to eat, you have to accept hospitality. And so those are your three rules, Kevin. 
Otherwise, you have to try to figure out how to get us there. And at first, he was really nervous because mm -hmm. Kevin really didn't know any Spanish. And so I would have to translate mostly for him. He knew a little bit of Spanish. Did he have any kind of budget to work with? Uh, no budget. Uh, that's the great thing about this community. We kind of just, whatever you, we didn't want money to be a thing in this. So he could do it any way he wanted. So we are there in, in I think we had a hotel room in La Paz or Cabo. I can't remember. La Paz is kind of the sleepy Mexican town. Cabo is like the resort town. And so we said, okay, research it, Kevin. Go down to the hotel lobby figure out and this is all this so this is all on the pacific side pacific yeah, side pacific of mexico side. yep and let's go back to something you said he could he could he could plan any kind of trip to get there but you didn't have any money to use no we had money okay no we had an endless uh we had an okay, as much money as we wanted okay to so money wasn't going to be an issue money wasn't an right, issue got it. yeah okay so he goes down to the hotel lobby and he talks he he kind of mills around. He, he he gets some pamphlets and he comes back up to us uh, and he says, okay, I got these pamphlets. So it looks like there's a ferry that goes from La Paz across the Gulf of California to this town called Los Mochis on the mainland. He says, That's, this looks like the best way to go to get to the mainland. So we're like, okay, so let's go. Come on, Kevin, let's go down. I'll translate for you. You buy the ferry tickets for us. And so he bought the ferry tickets. And the next day, uh, we left on the ferry. And turns out it's like a 20-hour trip. I mean, it's a long boat trip. And uh, we ended up sleeping just out on the deck of this boat. We had no, nothing to cover us. It was actually a little cold. And we slept on the deck of the boat. It was it was quite uncomfortable, actually, but it, it got us across the Gulf of California, you know, and Kevin's like all proud that yeah, he figured yeah. it out. And yeah. so we get to Los Mochis and we stay in a, a cheap motel in Los Mochis and we say, OK, what's the next leg of the journey? Um, and turns out and I kind of knew this go ahead of time, but it. Where he threw the dart turns out to be a really great spot because it turns out that there's a train that goes from Los Mochis up into the mountains through this canyon called Canyon de Cobre, which is Copper Canyon, which is like Mexico's Grand Canyon. It is spectacular. If you've, if, if you've never been there, it's fantastic. You mean like Arizona's Grand Canyon? or, or yeah, yeah. like Oh, it's Mexico's Grand Canyon. Yeah, it. so it's Mexico's Grand Canyon, yeah, and it's yeah. called Canyon de Cobre. It has a river going through it, and the train just goes through this canyon over these trellises, and oh, it's an amazing trip. It's gorgeous. And these are old trains, and they're rickety, but they're, <laughs> they're, worth, yeah, they're fun. And so uh, he goes to the researching, and he says – he comes back, he says, well, there's a train that goes up into the mountains. Maybe we should take that, you know? And I'm like, okay, let's go to the train station. You so get just, the tickets. Was he just using a regular uh, atlas? Did he have an atlas? Or? He would know he would just go down to the lobby of the, or ask somebody or try to, you know, mm -hmm. use his little Spanish to try to figure out how to, I mean, we had, I don't know if we had a atlas with us or if there was a map at the hotel. I think we might've had, we might have had a map with us. And yeah. so he uh, he basically uh, 
with my help translating, he figured it out and we got tickets on the train. And at, by this time, he's passing people and kids are asking him for money and he has to give to these kids and he's giving little coins to these kids. And he's seen, I think we helped somebody with their baggage. He saw somebody with help and he's starting to get into this. You know, he at first he was very nervous, but he's starting to get into this and he's looking for opportunities to do this. And Kevin's kind of that guy, you give him an idea, he's going to, he's going to run with it. So uh, he started getting more and more confidence, which was really neat for me and Mike to see. And we get on this train and it's fantastic. It's gorgeous. And we're going through and he's, he's trying to communicate with people and he meets this guy named Jesus. And uh, we talk with him a little bit and uh, just, you can see him lighting up and, and really coming out of his shell with confidence. And so we get up into the, the mountains uh, and just let me comment here. In Mexico, a lot of people that have a disability, like Kevin, at least back in those days, a lot of people with disabilities were people that were begging for alms mm. in towns, in squares, along the train. Um, these were people that were asking for money. And here, P Kevin is one of those mm. people in this context, but he's giving, giving. to people. Yeah. And so it's it's and, and people are looking at him like in a, in, in a strange way, like these kids are asking for money. And he gives it to them and they kind of look at him like, shouldn't it be the other way? Or mm. it, was, it was kind of confusing for them. But it was an interesting position to put Kevin in the wounded healer yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And so he uh, he's doing his best to follow the rules. We get up into the mountains. There's a town named Creol. Uh, C-R-E-E-L, I think it is, Creel. Yeah, and we get this little cabin. There, it's it's pine trees. It's it's beautiful. And there's this town with these log cabins kind of houses, and we're up there. So we get this room and um, you know, and to spend the night there. And Kevin wakes up early. Mike and I are sleeping in. We don't know what Kevin's going. He's get he now is feeling his oats, mm -hmm. and so he's going to plan the next part of the trip without anything to do with us. And he's thinking, and he's wandering around, and he comes back in. It comes to us in the hotel or the room, and he says, "We're waking up," and he says, "Okay." We say, "Hey, Kevin, what what's the plan today?" He says, "We're going to hitchhike," and we're like, "Hitchhike?" <laughs> he's like, "Yeah," he's like we're going to hitchhike. And we're like, we're in Mexico, Kevin. He's like, yep, it's my, my decision. It's <laughs> and, so, him. Yeah. and so he's really feeling it. And he says, there's a highway out here that goes to the town. The town is about 10 hours, 10 to 12 hours away uh, through the mountains. And we're going to go out on that highway and we're going to put our thumbs out. And so we're okay, Kevin, we're going to do this. And Bingo's along the highway. I know. And so we get our stuff together and we go out and stand on the highway. And there's some indigenous people uh, with their, their dress and everything, beautiful, colorful dress. They're standing also hitchhiking on the highway. And uh, sure enough, along comes a, a kind of a semi-style truck, uh, that pulls over and we run up to it and the guy speaks a little bit of English and he's, and we say, we're going to this town. He says, well, I can, yeah, get in my truck. I can help you with that. And so we climb into this semi 
one of us, uh, two of us can sit in front with the guy, driver, but one of us has to climb back in their little sleeping compartment. It's not one of those big sleeping compartments, just a little one. Yeah. So I crawl back in there and I'm translating the Spanish and we're talking to this guy and he's, he's happy to take us. And turns out he, he's a Christian and he's like all excited to meet us. And so we're driving through the mountains with this guy. I'm hearing his whole story in Spanish and I'm translating and Kevin and Mike are, you know, sleeping sometimes and paying attention sometimes. And we're winding our way on this two lane highway through the mountains. Well, we get about halfway and he says, well, this is all, as far as I can take you. I can't go the whole way because I have to turn around here, pick up my load and head back. And so he drops us off and it's in the middle of the mountains. There's no right. town. There's no nothing. He said, I think somebody might live around here. And we're like, okay. <laughs> and we're, so we're dropped off in the middle of the mountains of Mexico, beautiful pine trees. And we're just sitting in the forest next to the road. And we're like, okay, Kevin, now what? And yeah, um, yeah. being having to be totally dependent on whatever inner resources you have. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and so I, I know you'd call it fate. And we have no food and we're like, okay, and stuff. And so somehow I think we hear, I don't know if we heard noise or saw smoke or something and down a ways on the highway. So we start walking down the highway. I think we heard some noise, like a vehicle or some motor or something. And we walk down the highway about half a mile and we see this home and this kind of uh, farm or, or ranch. I don't know what it was. I guess it was more like a farm. And so we kind of peek over and we see people around the farm wearing suspenders. And we're like, and they're wearing these straw hats. And I'm like, wait a second. I know that garb. These are probably Mennonites. These are Mennonites in the mountains of Mexico. And, were they Mexican Mennonites? And they, sure, no, they no, were they actually, uh, I don't know if they were German or, or American, probably. Mm. I think they were probably American. They, mm. But I, they were Mennonites. And I said, hey, let's go talk to them. And so we went over and said, hey, how's it going? And they spoke English. They spoke English. And it was fantastic. And they're like, come on in, you know, come on in. Let's. So they were very welcoming. They were very welcoming. In fact, they gave us hospitality and Kevin's like, we need to accept this hospitality. And we're like, yep, you're right. And so we went in and, and I think they gave us stuff, stuff to eat and drink. And we talked with them and told them what we're doing. And they, we learned about what they were about it was a really cool interaction. Like here we are in the middle of the mountains and, and we run into these people, uh, Christians that are trying to serve God with their lives and in a different way than us. But it, it was just a neat inter, it, you know, encounter. So uh, here we are. And they lived right in that region. They were where right you in were, the mountains. Right and, and turns out there's actually Mennonites in northern Mexico, in Chihuahua, and in the, in the mountains, quite a, a few Mennonites living. Talk about the least expected. I know. Wow. It, was very, wow. it was strange. <laughs> and, 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 and so we spent about an hour or hour and a half with them. And, and so we said, okay, we're going to this town. I wish I could remember the t name of the town, but someday I will. Um, so we tell them we're going to this certain town. And they said, oh, yeah, that's about six hours away from here on the highway. Luckily for you guys, uh, this bus passes by and goes to that town. It's a red bus. I don't know why it was red, but it's red. 
and it's coming. It should come by here in the next hour. You just go out and stand along the highway, and when you see the red bus, you wave it down, and it, it'll let you on, and you'll be able to go to that town. So, uh, there was a bus there, though, right? Yeah, and this yeah, is yeah. still fairly early in the morning. I think we were there about noon, maybe. And so we uh, go out and we say goodbye to these people, and we go out and stand on the highway. And I'm like, Kevin, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> He's just so excited about it, you know, that what all that's happened. And it was this sense being created in him that, hey, something's going to work out. I think so. He yeah. he was really feeling like, I can I can do this. I can lead us through this culture that I don't mm-hmm. even know because for some reason he felt like he had the what it took. And we yeah, still yeah. haven't told him what's going to happen in this town. We okay. just say, you're getting us to this town. When we get there, we're going to tell you what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And so we, the bus comes, we wave it down, we get on the bus, pay the fee and we go. It takes us the next, I don't know, four to six hours to this town. And we get there and it turns out this is like a small logging town in the mountains of Mexico uh, it, it's not a village, but it's kind of a, it's, I would say maybe 10,000 people. I don't know. Not too small. Not too small, but yeah. not too big either. Yeah. And we get off the bus and it's kind of in the late afternoon toward evening. And Kevin said, okay, we're here. Uh, what do we do now? And so we said, well, let's get, get a, a room in a, uh, motel if there is one and we found a small motel and we got a room there and and we said okay Kevin you have come to this town the reason you've come to this town is but we believe in your future you're going to need to connect with older men who are wiser than you who have faith and who are Christians to so that they can encourage you in the way that you are living your life the way that you're growing up the way your direction and everything And so what we're going to do in this town is you're going to ask people in this town, we're going to walk around this town asking people for someone they know who is a wise Christian man. And that's going to be what you're going to ask people. And he's like, really? (laughs) We're like, yep. And so we left our hotel room and we just start walking the streets of this town. Uh, I think the first place we got close to was like an elementary school and, and school was out, but the, Teachers were still there. and uh, the, So it was the three of you. you yeah, you the were, three of us uh, walking uh, around. And there was the principal, for some reason, was there. And we connected with the principal and said, do you know of a wise Christian man in this town? And she thinks really hard. And she's like, uh, you sure it couldn't be a wise Christian woman? Because <laughs> I know a lot of wise Christian women, but not a lot of wise Christian men. And we're like, oh, well, nope, has to be a man for this, for this yeah. time. Yeah. And so then she says, well, go over here and ask so-and-so. And so we go down a couple blocks. We ask somebody else. And they're like, nah, can't really think of anyone. And we're like, I'm thinking, oh, no, this whole thing's going to be a disaster if it if it, <laughs> you might, if it doesn't turn out there's a wise Christian man. might dad. have to accept a wise Christian <laughs> Yeah, woman. we might have to. And, and we might have to just be totally flexible. But I understand that, too, because. The, a father yeah, figure yeah. For, for Kevin. And so we're doing this. And we're going and we go actually end up going to a Catholic church and we ask and we ask the priest and 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 he says, well, there's this guy named Don Choi. You could try Don Choi. 
And so we're like, okay. And so we leave and we ask somebody else. And turns out somebody else says, don't joy. And so we, yeah, it did. And so we get a couple people saying, don't joy. And, And I think we got one more person as we're walking that direction where they say he lives. And this is a, this is a, after an hour, hour and a half of walking around this town, asking people. And most people are like, nope, don't know anything. So this Don Choi keeps turning up his name. And so we get directions to his house. We're like, okay, we're going to – okay, Kev, we're going to Don Choi's house. And we had told Kevin that on the uh, – I forgot to – I'll go back a little. We told him you got to bring your journal with you when we go. I didn't tell him why, but uh, – it said, bring your journal. And so we're wondering, uh, and some of these details, this is a ways back, so I might get some of these details a little mixed up. Kevin would, when he li- when you listen to this, Kevin, if you do, I think I'll send it to you. You'll have details that I forget, and I might have gotten some of these wrong. Um, so we're wandering around, and we end up at this, the gate of a house. It's kind of a pinkish house, as I remember. Or, and uh, we're at this gate to the outside and the house is kind of back a little ways there's a little garden and it's not a big house it's got this metal gate lots of metal gates in mexico and it's dark it's getting dark and the sun has gone just gone down and we're like okay this is this is it we're at supposedly at don Choi's house and so we rat bang on the gate with a rock kind of tink 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 and uh out comes a an older woman and Mexican woman, and she comes to the gate and says, what can I help you with? And we say, is this where Don Choi lives? She says, yes. And I, we say, "We is it possible for us to talk with Don Choi? We'd like to talk with him. She said, well, I don't know about that because he just got back from the hospital. And turns out he's a carpenter, and he had cut off a few of his fingers. fingers. <laughs> and... Uh, he was recovering from that, and we're like, we really would love to talk to him. She says, well, I'll go ask him. And so she goes back in and says, and talks to him for a while. She comes out about five minutes later. She says, yeah, he says he'll see you. Hmm. And so she got opens the gate and lets us into this small house, you know. And the first room we come into is the living room. And there's a few chairs and a little coffee table. And um, we... Meet John Choi, say mucho gusto, buenas noches, and we, and we, and I tell him what this is about. I said, Kevin, and this is all in Spanish. I'm because uh, he doesn't speak English, and I say, Kevin is just coming into manhood, and we're on this trip to uh, signify that he's becoming a man, and we've given him this challenge to find a wise Christian older man who could give him some wisdom and and speak into his life. And so Don Choi is like, I thought he'd be like, you guys are crazy. Get out of here. But but he's like, yeah, okay, I can do that. And I and and at this point I told Don Choi, Kevin has questions that he wants to ask you about his life. And they're big questions. And he he wants your wisdom on these. And so Don Choi took this. He's like, he's got his hand all bandaged up his other hand. You can tell he's he's been uh, to the hospital before because yeah, yeah. his fingers are, are totally messed up. They're kind of mauled. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, and in, in a very strange way, his hand actually looked very similar to Kevin's little hand. 
And and I was kind of making like, wow, this is interesting. They both have these hands that are, are deformed, one by cutting fingers off and the other by birth. And it was kind of a connection for me. I don't know if it was for Kevin. And so we he sits us down in his living room and his wife's just looking at us like, what the heck is three gringos show up in our little town and knock on the door and want wisdom from my husband? Yeah, that does not happen every day. No, and I'm sure they have a story to tell in that family to this day. But And then I turn to Kevin, we sit down and Kevin looks at me and I say, okay, Kevin, get out your journal. I said, you know the questions that you wrote about the rest of your life? And he's like, really? And I'm, yes. I said, you're going to ask those questions to Don Choi, and you're going to write down his answers. I'm going to try, I'm going to translate this entire conversation, but you're going to write down everything he says. And I was like, I'm inside. I'm just like, God, make this work. God, please <laughs> let, let this work. Yeah. And, and so he gets out his journal and he opens up his journal and I think like he, he reads the first question and I'm not sure exactly the question, but one of them was something like, how do I know when I find the woman that I'm supposed to marry? And I'm like, I, I'm almost crying during this because it's just like, oh my gosh, Kevin is asking some strange guy in the mountains of Mexico this really heartfelt question like about his life. Yeah. And so I translated to Don Choi and Don Choi sits there for a second and he's thinking, and then he launches in. He says, he says, you know, Genesis set has the first man and woman. And it says this and this. Mm. And he's he's doing fantastic. He's like, God, and God loves us, and God will bring a partner for us. And he's giving this really good wisdom. I'm like, I couldn't ask for any better than this. Better than and then he's like, imagine. my yeah. relationship with my wife and how we met. And he's talking about meeting his wife and how he knew about, and I'm translating this, Kevin, and Kevin's writing, writing all this down. down yeah, and it's fantastic. Yeah. It's just amazing. And so Kevin goes through, he has like six questions. Let me ask you though. Okay. Just, just jumping in. Did Kevin meet someone? Finally? He did. Kevin oh. is married. Yeah, yeah. And he, he lives, uh, I think he lives in St. Louis now. And he's still he's going to school for his master's uh, in sociology. <laughs> Even now, yeah, and yeah. It, uh, he uh, he uh, he yeah he's going back to school. And he met uh, a woman that I was actually part of their wedding. Uh, I was officiating their wedding, hmm. and and so then Kevin goes into the next question, and it's something like, "How do I know how to raise kids?" and and all of this. And Don Choi gives him a fan. A great answer. Really Kevin's writing all this down. So he goes through six questions. I mean, we were there for like an hour and a half. Don Choi's wife is bringing, doing great hospitality. Mm -hmm. She's bringing us drinks and little snacks to snack on. Just strange, total strangers. Total, complete and this is strangers. all that same day, that first day. Yeah, yeah, when we hitchhiked in the morning, we were so I was yeah. so tired. Yeah. This is late at night now. It's like oh, hitting so it's late at eight o'clock, yeah. nine o'clock at night. Don Choi's kids and, and with their and his grandkids are are coming into the house and they're looking at us like, what are you doing here? And they're walking by us into the kitchen and talking to Don Choi's wife and Don Choi's explaining a little, and they're just stunned. I mean, they're like, what is this? And uh, and so we go through all six questions, and Don Choi is amazing. He is so willing 
to share what he knows and, and his wisdom <laughs> and he's wise and yeah. he's a said and some of the things he might have been off as far as Kevin what Kevin would like what you might be in the United States but man he's just sharing his heart and I'm saying to Kevin you know on on the side I'm like God has this for you wherever you go this is we had no clue this guy was here and he is willing to share his wisdom and his heart and his life with you and his house and here he is Kevin and and God loves you this much you know and and so we we finish up and we shake the hands of Kev, uh, uh, Don Choi's family and Don Choi and he he says some last piece of wisdom to us he really is like it's almost like he yeah. was enjoying that yeah. he was able to do this in spite of his injury. And he was all in. He this, was. And this. I and I'm just saying, God, you're so good. I can't <laughs> believe this actually worked out. I knew this was a huge <laughs> jump of faith into this. Yeah. And and God really came through with this. And um and so we go out and they say adios and we go out and it's pitch dark and we're walking down these dirt roads from this house and you you, you didn't have any place planned to stay. We did. We got oh, our we got our room earlier. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. But um, and so we go back to our room and I and we're so tired. And I just say, Kevin, God loves you this much. You know, that's all I could say. And uh, now this wasn't your final destination, though, was it? It was. It our, was. This that is was, our destination. That was this destination. is the town. Okay. Yeah. And so we spend the night and the next morning we say, OK, Kevin, we you got to get us back. But we obviously we're going to go the same bus back and train and uh-huh ferry back across the Gulf. And along the way, Kevin was helping different people, giving to beggars or people who were asking for anything. And we were looking for hot opportunities to receive hospitality. We work all our, and, and so basically we go all the way back, end up in Cabo San Lucas for a night and we're all exhausted, but Kevin, you know, this is a resort. And so we're like, Kevin, no matter what, any money you want to spend, you could do whatever you want here. So Kevin goes out and rents this giant uh, jet ski, <laughs> and he's jet skiing around, and he gives me a ride. I was terrified. I'm like, he, you're going way too fast, buddy. I was scared to death, and he was having a blast. And so we just wanted to, like, have him have a celebration. We went out to eat. We just celebrated everything that had happened. Um, and so that that was the trip for Kevin's rites of rite of passage, mm-hmm. and— uh, I did another trip that I'll talk about uh, with one of the kids from the community named Ian. It was also to Mexico, but very different kind of trip. Uh, and this was a memory of a lifetime for Kevin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, seeing that you've you've remained in contact with him. You officiated his wedding. I uh, baptized uh, him in yeah, actually yeah. in the ocean <laughs> during that same time. Yeah, or another it was time? before this, before okay. the trip. And yeah. And uh, you've remained in his life. Yeah, he more is kind con- I'm really bad at long distance co- uh, communication. And he has kept in contact with me more than I with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now he has my, we have each other's te- numbers. So we text and he'll text me like for Christmas and Merry Christmas. And we talked a little bit. He actually, I told him that I told this story to my high schoolers. And he said, yeah, that was a very meaningful trip for me. He said, really important to my life and he wants to take his wife and go back to Mexico and visit this town. And so he's planning to try to do that. I don't, I hope he gets a chance to do that. Do they have children? Um, They have no children yet. So 
and I'm not sure they will, but um, but it's fantastic. And uh, someday I would love to just back and forth on a podcast with Kevin. You know, how did you feel during this? You know, what happened? What did you? What were you thinking here? And maybe read some of your answers from Don Choi from your journal. And every if every young man could have an experience like that. What a what a way to to grow and. Yeah, I'm really impressed with how you you all were determined to really just um, do this by faith, yeah, and trust God for whatever the next step was, and give the leadership over to to Kevin and and he came through. He came through. <laughs> it he was sure great. Did. It was well, a great trip. And Mike, me and Mike were there encouraging each other along the way. And and Mike hadn't had a lot of experience in Mexico either, so Mike was a little bit nervous at points, but he was a great. Uh, great partner in leading Kevin in this. And well, would you, uh, would you be willing to share the story of, uh, Ian next time we get on here? Um, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, let's that do would it. Be a good trip. Uh, so or a good trip. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good trip. Yeah. Um, that would be a good story. So I'll do that next time. And for now, uh, being in a small town in the mountains of Mexico looking for a wise Christian man, that's the wrong place for three gringos. Yeah. It's totally the wrong place. And uh, nowadays, it's very much the cartel's territory. Yeah. <laughs> it would not be good nowadays that much. But, uh, but it was the right time for Kevin to hear wisdom. It was the right time for Don Choi to have this strange experience that I would love to hear his version of it, although he may have already passed away. Probably it's been quite a few years now. And uh, just how amazing God is to bring two clashing cultures together and men who don't know each other at all and just to pour out love and faith and hope and joy. And probably God's laughing his head off at this. <laughs> my, 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 my relationship with God that he has such a sense of humor anyway. Thank you, Dan. Until next time, join us again for uh, Wrong Place at the Right Time. Bye. Bye.